You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Terry Wong. Well, it's good to see all of you here today in worship. I appreciate those who came to worship today in person, all of you who are watching online, those who watch the recording, they are all acts of worship because we're focusing on God. Uh, Just a quick thanks for all those who helped clean up the church yesterday, the church property and the nursery building. Uh, It's greatly appreciated. Thank for Betty Ma and uh, Doug Liu and Judy Liu for leading up this effort. Uh, It's a great, great work that you did. You know, as I get... uh, closer to my retirement, people keep asking me this question. What are you going to do when you retire? And I, it's kind of funny because the people asking me this question are already retired. And I say, whatever you're doing, I'm going to do. You know, sleep late, walk around in my PJs, binge watch TV. I'm going to do exactly what you're going to do. But in all honesty, I have a whole bunch of things to do, and I thought I'd share a few of them with you, so to answer this question, uh, this is what I'm going to do first. I'm going to go fishing with my brother. Duh, you know, right? Just so you know, my fish is bigger than his. He's he's sticking his hand way out there to make it look big. It's an old fisherman's trick. And then I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch my grandkids. And so the Lord has blessed us with plenty of grandkids to uh, uh, play with and take care of. And my daughters have planned my retirement. <laughs> oh, you need to pick up the kids. Oh, you need to come watch the kids, you know, and stuff like that. And then thirdly, I've been wanting to do this next one for a very long time. I want to put my Lego X-Wing fighter together. I bought this two years ago. It's 731 pieces, and so I have to wear my glasses to do this. But I had this for two or three years, and then I discovered that this is actually a rare one. And so I paid $70 for it, but it's going for $175 on eBay. And so do I want to put it together, or do I want to sell it? eh? My X-Wing fighter is my favorite thing from Star Wars. Uh, And then lastly, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow my faith. I'm going to grow my faith. Even though I've been a pastor and a Christian for 50 years, I am not going to park myself spiritually in a lazy boy and coast into heaven. I am going to grow my faith, because I know when I stop growing as a believer, my faith stops, starts dying. So I'm going to let God test me. I'm going to let God challenge me. I'm going to let God stretch my faith, because I want to grow my faith. My faith is everything. Everything I have today comes from my faith in God. And if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it kind of summarizes the importance of our faith. Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So through faith am I saved. Faith in the gift of God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. So through faith I am saved. And then through faith I discover my purpose to go and do God's good works. So we know that good works do not lead to salvation. But we know that salvation leads us to do good works. The good works that God planned in advance for us to do. You know, we are God's workmanship. That's a word, masterpiece. It comes from a Greek word that talks about poems. And how we, 
you know, it takes, it takes thought and intellect and wisdom to write a poem. And we are God's masterpiece created to do good work. So your faith must be growing. Your faith is everything. If your faith is not growing, it is really dying. So today I want to talk about uh, what are the ingredients of faith? What makes up faith? We know the verse uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith kicks in when we don't see the future. Faith kicks in when we, when we don't see where we're going, but we have hope in Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy to have faith when things, when you can see things, right? It's easy to have faith. It's great. You know, you got money in the bank. You know it's there. Uh, you're staying out of hospitals. You've been healthy. It's easy to have faith at that moment and say, God is so good. God has blessed me. My life is rich. But the faith we're talking about today, it's faith that thrives during times when you can't see a resolution, when you're scared and you're not certain of what's going to happen. Uh, this, uh, when there's nothing in the cupboard to eat, when you have no more money to buy food, but yet you can say God is good. I believe in God. This is kind of faith that trust in God when the health is gone, the work is gone, the reputation is gone, your family is gone. This is a faith that says God is good. I have faith in God. And so I think Christian faith, there are three key ingredients of our Christian faith. <clears throat> the first one is this. We must believe in God. It's as simple as that. We must believe in God. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must believe in God. And because we believe in God, our faith pushes us to seek more of God. Faith is more than just believing. It's more than head knowledge. It is seeking to know God more every day. This pleases God. And when you come closer to God, we experience more of God. We discover His plan and purpose for our lives. So we must believe in God. And then look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. We believe that God is the creator. And that means we can say God is God and I am not. That's the beginning of faith. God is the creator. He knows what's best for my life. I believe in him. You know, today we believe in only what we think. We believe in ourselves. We listen to ourselves. We listen to social media. We listen to advertising. But the faith that believes, believes that God is God and I am not. So I ask you today, do you believe in God? Do you trust in God? Do you seek Him every day? If not, your faith is weak. It's not growing. We must believe in God. The second thing we see is we must obey God. Believe is like the attitude. Obey is the action. We have action. Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and to love Him with your total being. Obedience comes from the heart. These commandments are 
laid on our hearts. We believe them and we embrace them. It's not just up here, it's on our hearts. That means we trust and we obey God. We obey God because we trust God. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Can it be any clearer than that? <laughs> Bible tells you to do something, you do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not, uh, but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You forget what you hear in messages. Would you forget what you hear in Bible studies and when you read your, your Bible during the week? You forget. You're supposed to not forget, but do what it says. Just do what it says. Too many people read the Word or they hear it and then walk away and forget all about it. Faith means you hear the Word, you understand it, you understand God's reasoning oftentimes, and then you go and obey it. But instead of obeying right away, sometimes we delay. Sometimes we allow doubts to get into our hearts. Sometimes we just plain forget about it. I heard this phrase uh, in this uh, devotion I read that I really love. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay, when we delay obeying God, that is disobedience. And you can't grow in your faith when you disobey or you delay obeying God. See, in the New Testament alone, you know, we think of the Old Testament as full of commandments. Did you know that in the New Testament, there are 1,050 commandments, that commands that Jesus gives us, or, or he does it through the apostles. And all these commands are for our benefit. God gives us a, commands to protect us and to guide us and to strengthen our faith. And he expects us to obey them all. And that's not easy. Some we understand, you know, to love your neighbor. Some we don't understand, like love your enemies. You know, how can we love our enemies? Or forgive those who hurt you. I'm telling you, that's really hard to do. Some people have hurt me, and it's hard to forgive them. When I think of them, I think of the hurt that they give me. But God says, do what it says. Obey what I tell you. It's kind of like... Uh, uh, when we were younger, remember when you were younger and your parents wanted you to do something like, you know, you got a curfew, come home at 11 o'clock or go and do your homework right away. And, and we're like, why? You know, why? And we argue with our parents. We keep saying, why do I have to do that? We have logic. We have our own reasoning. Finally, your parent looks at you and says, what? Because I said so. Yeah, just do it because I said so. I don't know. Any of you parents told your kids that yet? <laughs> because I just do it because I told you so. In the same way, we obey God just because he said so. We don't understand that, that command to love our enemies or forgive those who hurt us. We don't need to question it. We don't need to doubt it. We don't need to overthink it. We just do what it says because God has good things in store for us. He knows what's best. You know, the world has its own theories and what's permissible and what's not permissible. And then so we know God says you should wait until you get married to have sex. But the world says, no, nah, there's no fun in that. You know, that's not, that's not right. Well, God doesn't say, you know, wait until you are married to have sex because he's mean, but because he knows that's what's best for you. That's the, that makes you, it'll make you happier and give you more joy. When we do what God commands us to do without question, now understand that when God commands, it agrees with his word. All right? Make sure you hear God's voice, not the devil's voice. But when we do 
what God commands us to do, even though we don't want to or we're scared or we're not quite sure that's what we want to do, we grow in faith. We grow in faith. We grow in the blessing. We grow in the joy. So if we only obey when we feel like it or it's convenient, our faith is weak. The goal is to grow our faith. See, boldness, when we are bold and just, okay, I'm going to go do it right now, Lord. I'm going to go obey you. Boldness brings you into the presence of God. You're right there because you're trusting in Him, letting His light and His Spirit shine on you. Boldness, uh, bold obedience empowers your faith. It enriches your, your life. It brings you joy. Instead of being frustrated with your wife and being upset with her, God says, forgive her. And so you forgive her. Uh, instead of getting depressed and being sad about something, you recommit your life to be devoted to the Lord. You let your faith show you the right path to choose. Believe in God. Obey God. The third thing we see is we must love God. We must obey that commandment to love the Lord deeply. See, obedience without love is legalism. We're just obeying because we have to and we want to get what God wants to give us. That is legalism. Obedience must be wrapped in God's love. Now we know from reading the New Testament that the religious leaders of Jesus' times were experts at legalism. They didn't love the people. They just wanted to tell them what to do. And so these religious leaders would take God's commands, and then they would add extra commands to define what it means to obey God's command. So on the command, you know, don't work on the Sabbath. Don't work on the Sabbath. The religious leaders added 1,500 laws to explain what it meant to break that commandment. Okay, so if you're on a Sunday, or I'm sorry, on the Sabbath, you're walking down the street and you're dragging a stick behind you, that's plowing. You broke the command. If you walked more than three-quarters of a mile on a Sabbath, you broke the command. They would add all these commands, and instead of God's Word being a blessing, it became a tremendous burden. That's not what God wants. He wants obedience out of love, not legalism. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Faithful, loving obedience. God wants obedience empowered and enlightened by love. That We know why we're obeying God. We know how to obey God. Uh, we do it out of love. And we're eager to obey and please the Lord. Isn't it great when your kids finally turn that corner and they start doing things for you because they love you? They want to help you because they love you. That's a great moment as a parent driven by love. Uh, when I counsel people, <clears throat> and I counsel people when their world is falling apart, I've been counseling people lately and, and their lives are just like uh, uh, difficult and sad and they're embarrassed and they don't know what to do and they're lost and I go and counsel them. One of the first things I tell them is, I love you. We at Northwest, we love you. We are here for you. And I don't care how embarrassed or ashamed you are, we are here for you. We're going to be with you. We're going to walk with you. We need love. We need to obey. We need to believe. Those three elements are very important to grow your faith. I am, as you know, I'm retiring uh, at the end of this month. I've become very nostalgic and thinking about my ministry here uh, and stuff. And I want, to, want you to know this. When I retire, I am not retiring from loving you. 
okay? I'm not retiring from serving you. If you need help, you want to talk, you want to go fishing, <laughs> call me. Uh, I want to spend time with you. I'm not abandoning you or anything. So if I'm serving you right now or checking up on you, just text me, let me know. Let me know I am here for you. I am not retiring from being, uh, I am always going to be your pastor, okay? So I want to be here for you. You call me, you need me, I will be here. On the other hand, if the toilet in the men's room is overflowing, <laughs> don't call me, okay? Just don't call me anymore, all right? Is your faith growing? Do you believe in God? Are you obeying God without question? Are you loving God deeply in the people he sends you to? Uh, the next thing I want to see is this. We need to treasure, treasure your faith. If your faith is the most important thing in your life, like it is for me, we treasure it. Uh, we want to protect it. We want to keep it close to us. It is a key to happiness and joy in your Christian life. Uh, 2 Peter 3.17. <clears throat> Therefore, dear friends, since you've already known this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the errors of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. So we treasure our faith. That means we guard it. Uh, this verse just says, be on your guard uh, that you may not be carried away. Uh, next slide. Uh, by the errors of lawless men and fall from your secure position. We must guard our faith. People want to lie to us. People want to tell us what to believe and how to act. No, no. We guard our faith. We protect the things we treasure. Uh, my wife and I took uh, two of our grandsons to the fair on Wednesday, and I've been wanting to take them to the fair because my grandfather took me to the fair. <clears throat> we would ride on the bus down to McDowell and 19th Avenue, and you know back then you could play a game for a dime. Now it, it is $7 to play a game. And I'm like, can I just buy a thing for $5? I mean, do I have to spend $7? And so I always treasure my grandfather taking me to the fair. And so I want to take my grandkids to the fair. So we took uh, the two boys, two of the, my daughter's boys, to the fair. And I made sure they were protected. Okay? My daughter would not appreciate if I left with two and came back with one. You know, that would be very bad. She'd probably disown me. And so as soon as we got in the fairgrounds, we went to the customer service, put a wristband on them with my name on it and the phone number in case they got lost. And the next thing I did, I took a picture of them because when they get lost and the police go, what were they wearing? What color clothes? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what color clothes I was wearing that day. And so I'm going to take a picture just in case. And then thirdly, we held the little one's hand just about the whole time. I mean, just the whole time. And he's very loving. He likes to hold hands. So that's, that's great because I treasure them. And I, wanna, I don't want to lose them. I'm guarding them. We're protecting them. We need to guard our faith. If we don't guard our faith, uh, the errors of lawless men will, will carry our faith away. We'll lose it. We'll go like, we're like, what happened to my faith? It disappeared. You know, today we have wokeness and theories and all these new thinking, supposedly. It's just repackaged lies from the past and to, to corrupt our thinking. But we have to be on guard. We don't let our feelings and emotions run off with our faith. Uh, we don't let our faith get compromised or corrupted. We know God's word. We read it. We memorize it. We understand what God wants us to do. So we know uh, how to say no. We know how to defend our faith. 
Our faith is like a canoe. Look at this picture. You ever seen a canoe that's not anchored? There's no pilot. There's nobody in it. This canoe will just float away. And our faith is like a canoe. I don't know how many of you have been in a canoe or a rowboat, but in order to keep the boat moving or staying in one position, you have to row. You have to paddle. And faith is like a canoe. We have to paddle our faith. Every paddle is an act of obedience. Every paddle is an act of obedience uh, towards God. And it keeps us moving with God. It keeps us close to God. But once we neglect it, we float away. We drift away. So we must guard our faith. The second thing is that we need to grow our faith. Grow it. We need to grow our faith. Guard it and grow it. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to grow in grace and being gracious to each other. We need to grow in the knowledge of Christ. What happens when you neglect your yard? Weeds grow. And weeds grow and take over. When you neglect your faith, the weeds grow. Sinful desires, cravings, uh, negative attitudes. You become more selfish. But when you grow your faith, it dominates the yard. When you're growing a lawn, you keep that grass healthy, it dominates the yard. It keeps the weeds out. Romans 10, 17, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We hear God's word. We know it. We obey it. We study it on our own. We listen to sermons. We listen to Bible studies. We pray through God's word. What does that mean? You read it, and then you meditate on what's its meaning. Then you ask God, God, John 3, 6, what do you want me to do with that verse? Or, you know, John uh, Romans 6, 23, you know, what do you want me to do with that verse? How does it apply to me? We let God grow us one step at a time. It takes time to grow in faith. There's no instant transformation. You know, why is it so hard to grow in faith? Why does God want us to grow one step at a time? Well, for one thing, we are slow learners. We are very slow learners. That's why the Bible repeats itself throughout the Bible. They say that sometimes when we're slow learners, we have to learn the lesson 30, 40, 50 times before we get it. That's because old behavior and patterns repeat themselves. The other reason uh, God grows us one step at a time is we have a lot to unlearn. I mean, we got a lot of garbage up here uh, to unlearn. Most of our problems and all our bad habits didn't develop overnight, so it's unrealistic to expect them that it'll just fade away. I can't just pray for you and it fades away. You can't just make a commitment and it just suddenly, poof, disappears. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot to unlearn. There is no peel, prayer, or principle that will undo the damage and the lies that have corrupted your head and your heart. So we need to work at it. We need to open our hearts to God. We need to believe in God. And then we start obeying God, and then we grow in our faith. The more we love God, the easier it is to obey God. So we have to do that removal. You know, when we confess our sins, God wipes away our sins, but... You know, we still have the desires. It takes removal and also replacement. We get rid of that sin. We fill it with God's word. Good and godly habits take time. Your character is a sum total of your habits. Uh, you can claim to be kind, but unless you are showing kindness habitually every time, you're not going to change. So your habits define your character. There's only one way to develop the habits of Christ, 
a Christ-like character. You just simply must practice them. Okay, if you don't love somebody, go ahead and do loving things towards them. Do loving actions and your attitude will catch up. We practice them and it takes practice. There is no instant habits. Now let me share with you this truth, our number three on our list that really opened my eyes. It says this, grow your faith by closing the faith gap. The faith gap is the distance between what you believe and how you behave. That distance is time. It's really a time distance. I believe one thing and then I go do it or there's a delay or there's disobedience and that that time gap gets longer. We need to close the gap. The closer the gap between believe and behave, the stronger your faith. The wider the gap, the weaker your faith. And so here's uh, here's an example. You say you love God. But we see in the first example, you love God, but you only seek Him when you have a problem. That's the only time you seek to spend time with God. That gap is huge. Okay, that gap is huge. I, I have a friend who's not a believer, and his, he doesn't even think about God, so his gap is huge. He has no faith, no faith at all. On the other hand, you might say, well, yeah, I seek God on Sunday. You know, I go and seek God on Sunday, and hear his voice. Okay, that gap's a little smaller, but it's still a good gap. On the other hand, you say, I seek God every day. I get up in the morning, I have a quiet time, I pray. I want to know, get my heart ready for God. During the day, I talk to God. I, I, I read a Christian book or listen to Christian music. At night, I had a time of reading my word. and I spend time with God every day. That gap is so tight. Your behavior uh, follows your belief right away. See, I know a lot of Christians that, people that say they're Christians, They say they love Jesus, they believed in Him, they follow Him, they've been baptized, but they don't come to Sunday morning worship, they don't join a small group, they don't read their word. I'm like, really? I mean, is that that your behavior is so far removed from your beliefs? And yet they they act like practical atheists. A practical atheist says, I believe in God, but during the week I practice like I don't believe in God. I look like I don't believe in God. You only talk to God when there's an emergency in your your gap is wide. So, How about this thought? I believe in giving to the Lord's work. And because so, I give cheerfully on time, on my schedule, to the Lord first. You know, I, I just got paid, so I, I write a check out to the Lord first, or I make a Zelle deposit first. I believe in giving to the Lord's work. I do it immediately. On the other hand, well, I pay my bills, I pay my mortgage, I pay my utilities, I pay my credit card bills, and then I'll give to God last. I'll give God leftovers. So your faith gap is huge. Okay? How do you close a faith gap? Faith gap, well, the next time you get a paycheck, you say, Lord, I've, I've been negligent in my giving. I put you last. I am going to put you first. So you close the faith gap by, by saying, the next paycheck, I am going to give uh, like I'm supposed to. Sometimes our faith is strong in one area. We're regular in worship. We go to small group. We do all these things, but we're weak in another area. Our gap is so tight in some areas and so wide in others. But guess what? When your gaps are irregular, that means you're inconsistent. Your faith is not strong as it should be. So let's look at this illustration. I believe we must share the gospel. I believe God's word. I believe in the Great Commission. But yet our behavior is what? Well, that's a pastor's job. 
You know, that's why we have pastors. Or maybe your gap is a little narrower because you realize, oh, I have three friends that are not Christians. I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to at least put them on my prayer list and, and ask God to give me an opportunity to spend time with them. Or your gap is small because, you know, God put this person in my heart at work today. I'm going to ask them to go to lunch this week. I'm going to spend some time, listen to them. If I listen to a person long enough, they will tell me how to serve them, how to share the gospel with them. They'll tell me what their, their needs are. The gap is closed. What is your faith gap? If it's uneven or inconsistent faith, it makes you wink. Weak. <laughs> wink. It makes you weak. So we have different gaps based on worship, evangelism, discipleship. Guess what? Your faith is as weak as your biggest gap. All right? We need to get those gaps all closed. And, you know, when it comes time like sharing the gospel or serving people, don't do it by yourself. Ask your small group to help. Work with a brother or sister. You know, we do these things together. It's not Lone Ranger uh, work. Words are easy. Faith goes to work. It's easy to say words, but it's hard to do the work. Faith means you go to work. James 2.14. What, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but no deeds? Can such a faith save him? That's a very powerful verse. Can such a faith save him? Our faith is supposed to save us. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? See, faith in action deals with physical needs. Maybe it's emotional needs, uh, mental needs of people. It's meeting the need. Verse 17, the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you by faith by what I do. Okay, remember, good works don't save you, but salvation leads to good works. It is the fruit of evidence that you belong to Christ. So the question is, what do the people around me need? Do you see the people around you the same way Jesus sees them? Do you just say, well, I'm sorry, you know, you, you lost a, a loved one, and I'll just pray for you? Or do you take them food, or you call them and take them out to lunch? Do you listen to their needs? Words are easy. Deeds require a sacrifice. So look at this last illustration. I believe we must love one another. And so those with a tight gap, a faith gap is small. I'm going to drive my neighbor to the doctor. You know, I, had a, I lived in another neighborhood before, and, and a lot of Christians were in that neighborhood, and the, the Christian across the street would, would drive the Hindu man on my side of the street to the doctor. That's faith in action, you know? Uh, or, you know, you're asked to, uh, God says, go help this person. Well, I'm busy, you know? I'm busy. When I, when I retire, I'll have time, and then I'll, I'll, I will do all these things I need to. What is your faith gap? There is no greater power... Uh, until we close that faith gap, when our behavior is almost instantaneous, when belief becomes behavior, when there's no delay and there's no doubt. You know God's will, you obey God's will, and you love God's will, and it brings you joy. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So next time God puts something on your heart, and you think, well, i got to pray about it, i got to think about it, I've got to talk to other people, delayed obedience is disobedience. 
Instead, you say, Lord, I understand what you want me to do, and I'm going to get some help. I'm going to go do it. Okay? So the longer you wait, the weaker your faith grows. So weak that it gets, gets blown away by life's troubles and trials. See, I don't know about you, but I want my faith to grow stronger. I want it to be strong. I want my faith to be richer. It, it runs deep in my soul. It gives me great joy. I want my faith to grow deeper, uh, deep into the well of God. And so I need to close those gaps, those things that, that need to be closed up in my faith gap. And you have to think for yourself, right now, where are my big gaps? Where are those gaps that I need to close? Where do I need to, to go from belief to behavior right away? Uh, just quickly, three ways to close the gap. I'm just going to throw these out because they're, the, they're not on the PowerPoint. Three, three ways to close the gap. First one is just confess your sins. Okay, you know, the gaps are big because we're lazy, we have too much doubt, we have sinful behavior, sinful attitude, we've moved away from God. So we confess our sins. We go to God, confess our sins. Uh, so the se second one is commitment. Renew your commitment to God. God, I confess I've sinned and I've neglected serving you. So now, Lord, I make a new commitment. I'm going to start seeing people through Jesus' eyes. I'm going to I'm going to spend time starting conversations with people. And Lord, if you want me to share the gospel, you provide that opportunity. Or God, I'm going to give uh, right after I get my paycheck every, every time and give to you first. God, I'm going to be a more forgiving person. I'm going to go forgive my spouse or my kid or that guy at work. I'm just going to forgive them. I don't need to delay anymore. We make a commitment or recommitment. We go with it. And then the third one is conviction. I move with conviction when God talks. Now, conviction may be that I'm going to start praying. I'm going to say, God, I know you want me to love this person. Now, God, you show me how you touch my heart. It doesn't mean you're going to run right over there and do it, but man, you're moving that direction. You're moving closer. So we confess our sins. We, we make a new commitment or recommitment. We move with convictions. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Let's look at this last question. Is your faith growing or dying? Is your faith moving you closer and closer to God or farther away. And so we need to grow our faith. Now, I know my faith is going to carry me to heaven. Will your faith carry you to heaven? Have you accepted that gift that God offers in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and he gives this, this salvation to us, but we have to have enough faith to believe in God and accept this gift. I want to make sure that your faith will carry you to heaven. So if you have not trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do so today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you all the way to heaven. And if you trust in Jesus, let us know. We want to help you. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer and you know that your faith is shaky. It's weak and you want to take steps. You need help. Let us know. We want to help you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that you made us so that we could have faith. What a powerful blessing it is to have faith in you so that we can know you and love you, that we can grow closer to you. Father, I pray my brothers and sisters in Christ will believe in you, that they will obey you, that they'll love you deeply, and that their beliefs and behavior will move together. And Father, there's someone here today who's struggling whether to trust you or not. Touch their heart. Let them just have that confidence to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. Father, we just continue to worship you. We pray that our faith run deep, run strong, 
run rich in you that we enjoy your blessings. For we worship and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.